Okay, welcome to the week two recap. Uh, this is the 602 Rose Show covering Michelle's season of Bachelorette from a fantasy perspective. We're going to split the show up this week. Uh, we are filming a little earlier than we normally would. It is currently Wednesday night. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do a, a recap and look at the scores, uh, both for weekly and for season long. Um, but we won't do our picks until uh, a little bit later in the week. It'll either come out over the weekend or on Monday. We'll kind of see uh, how it plays out. We're uh, both protecting our picks from people in our league and also waiting for a little bit of information to come in. Uh, so we'll start here, and, uh, and we'll take you as, as deep as we can with what we know on, on Wednesday evening. Uh, errors and omissions from the last episode, Megan, I didn't have any. I think that... Uh, by not speaking so off the cuff, we managed to avoid some of the uh, Michelle went to the University of Minnesota kind of talk. Yeah, I think um, well, we're focusing more just like on our thoughts and feelings, and we can't be wrong about those. Mm, uh, agree to disagree, but uh, <laughs> but nothing that we knew of. So uh, feel free to hit us up on uh, Twitter or Instagram <laughs> or in the comments, and uh, always willing to own a mistake. Uh, again, really quick here is just the uh, the weekly scoring, a uh, big overview. Uh, you can you can pause it here, or if you're in the Rose League, you can see it there. Again, essentially what you're trying to do is pick the guys who are moving on, kissing the bachelorette, getting roses, uh, going on dates, causing maybe a little bit of trouble, but uh, but not feeling bad about it because that, that anxiety and worry will come back to bite you. Uh, our week two picks uh, from the last time we filmed, we made a couple uh, changes to the to our lineups. So what you're seeing on the screen there is uh, is the changes that we did make. Um, I personally, uh, we found out that Joe is going to get the second group date rose. Uh, so Joe is an immediate change out for me from Rodney. Uh, and then as soon as I knew I had all three roses, uh, being both group date roses and the one-on-one -on -one rose, I was willing to go a little bit riskier, so I also immediately switched uh, Rick for Peter. Now, uh, riding for Joe and Rick for Peter were all the same cost, uh, so no no uh, rose adjustment there. Uh, but the big thing is that uh, I locked those roses in, uh, and so I was willing to take some of that risk-reward with Peter uh, over Rick uh, because we saw that Peter was going to be involved in a little bit of drama. Uh, it just became a little bit more worth it to me there. Uh, Megan, can you talk us through your changes? Yeah, and I will say, I mean, like, I think as opposed to some of the previous seasons, I feel like ABC is really holding on to some of their, um, like, sneak peeks of the episode until later in the week. I mean, because we filmed last week on Friday, and they ended up putting out on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and I think even, like, Tuesday morning, like, some real big spoilers for the episode that I know caused me to change my lineup, like, last minute, like, Tuesday at lunchtime, um, because all of a sudden we heard that Joe was gonna, Joe's name was going to be dropped, right, and that it was going to be huge drama within the episode. So, yeah, that was um, one of my changes was Rick for Joe, knowing that Joe was going to be more of, like, the center point of some of that drama and that his name was going to be brought up a lot more. Um, I did switch out um, Martin for Rodney um, because there was also a preview that kind of showed the one-on-one -on -one interaction that Michelle and Rodney had. Um, and just knowing again from some of the season-long previews that have come out so far, it does seem like Rodney goes pretty far. So I, was, I wasn't sure if this was maybe the episode that like they really started to connect, especially knowing that he was going to be like on that winning basketball team. Um, and so I kind of threw... Um, 
his hat in the ring instead of Martin, knowing that they were both on the same winning basketball team and hoping that Rodney would get more face time than Martin would. Um, and then Casey for Will, that was really just like a, it was a gamble on who was going to have more drama. Cause I knew that the Peter and Will drama was happening in this episode or at least starting this episode. And it seemed like uh, we talked about in the last episode that Casey was going to be involved in some kind of drama um, and so I banked on knowing for sure that Will was going to be in some pretty significant drama um, over Casey that we weren't quite sure how he was going to fit in. So again, we'll try to be as transparent as we can with our lineups. Uh, the lineup we showed in the last episode uh, was best for what we knew at the time. Um, you know, as, as things change and as more information comes out, uh, we'll make those picks. I actually popped mine on my Twitter. Um Maybe that's something we can do is, is get those get those out there. But we are also playing competitively, and uh, I'll go ahead and pop pop over to the next screen here. You'll see how tight Megan and I were, um, 172 to 158, uh, and you'll see how, how similar those lineups are. Really, uh, with just kind of our wild cards being different, knowing who the Roses are really helps you lock in the Courier lineup. Um and then if you if you move on, you'll see uh, our home league. It's just the six of two row show league. Um, I'm sitting out in first, and Megan's in third there. But you'll see how tight that spread is. Uh, you know, so we we are we are playing a competitive league. So there's a little bit of gamesmanship on our part. I assure you, the the lineups we put out are are honest to goodness lineups that we would play. Um, you know, we found out pretty late that Joe had gotten the second date, uh, the second uh, group date rows. Um, you know, that this is a, a fairly competitive league. There's a lot of people, uh, who are good at this, but then a lot of people who are trying to snipe us off on our own show. So, um, <laughs> you'll see down at the bottom there, uh, standings, uh, for all of bachelor nation for, uh, for Rose league. Uh, I'm currently sitting in sixth place and, uh, Megan's in one twenty seventh. There's over 7,200 entries, uh, as of filming about eight thirty on Wednesday night. So, uh, you know, the, upper upper crust we don't want to give away too much but we're trying to make sure that we are given as much of a of the perspective as we can you know it's not necessarily about scoring the most points it's about the the process that gets you to there if you if your if your process is sound you should be you should be able to compete at a pretty high level um and as you can see at the top of row show there is uh there's some elite talent that we're contending with on a on a weekly basis here so yeah, we'll we'll get our picks out there and we'll be genuine about them, but but we're also trying to trying to win some leagues here. <laughs> uh, next slide here is uh, just a real interesting thing. We had talked in the in the week two preview um, with our picks about just certain words that were hitting more often than others, um, and how that might show you what the producers are trying to do from a season standpoint. Words like family and teacher and children and things like that. Um, so this is just a really cool mock-up from Bachelor Data. I encourage you to jump over there. We'll throw a link in the uh, in the comments uh, to their Instagram account. But Bachelor Data puts together some really cool stuff. They'll actually be updating this chart week to week. Uh, and this is uh, just just how frequently people are using words, right? So they're filming for nearly 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the two hours that we see in each episode is is selected on purpose. Um, so the words that they use and the things that we see and the way the guys are portrayed is intentional, and so it's important to follow trends. Um, so we've talked about trends a few times. We'll try not to beat you over the head with it, but uh, as you can see on this chart, 
things are being mentioned frequently. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll check in on this a couple times throughout the season and see just how it goes. But uh, you know, as we pick our week-to-week lineups, uh, we're definitely going to be watching what kind of edits guys are getting and, and what kind of attention they're getting from the producers. Uh, well, so. I, I mean, so I have it written down in one of my notes, too. I think not only what edits the guys are getting, but what edits this season is getting, too. Because, I mean, like, I think back to, like, watching the episode, I was actually really surprised at some of the super emotional, like, heartfelt moments that came out in this episode that there were no previews about, like, whatsoever. Like, the previews that we saw leading up to this episode were all about the drama. They were all about Michelle crying. Um, and then it was, like, about, like, the fun that was had, like, on the basketball court and during the school and, like, making fun of the guys. Like, there were some super, super emotional moments that happened that got no screen time in the previews. And I do wonder um, what that says about how the producers are trying to frame this season and what they might do with that in the future. Yeah, there are a couple of moments for me that were really not expected, um, both from the cast that we're seeing, but also from the show, quite frankly, uh, and kind of the direction we've seen them take so far, you know, Two episodes is a really small sample size, but the the direction they're taking on Michelle's season is, is a little bit different. And I, I think they've heard a lot of the criticism of how they handle things and uh, are at least attempting to to make amends for some of that. But, you know, in the same breath, they've also just announced that there's going to be two bachelors a year and only one bachelorette. So, I mean, it shows you how they well, want to do Well, I also things. think that you might be giving them a little bit too much credit. I think what... The bigger thing is, is probably Michelle is driving this. Is what I, if I had to put forth a guess. But I want, I want Disney money. I would like Disney to pay me at some point. So I'm going to be really nice. (laughs) Well, I'm about to later in this episode say, fuck you, ABC. So I don't know. All right. Well, I'll lose it for us. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and move on before all of my shots at riches have been stripped away from me. Uh, next up, we have our big three things, and uh, yeah, this is uh, we're just going to take the opportunity every week to say what was our favorite and what was our least favorite, and something that surprised us. Uh, Megan, you want to go first or second? Um, I will go second this time. All right, I feel like you probably have like real things, uh, so I'll go ahead and start it off really superficial. My favorite in this episode was Michelle's nighttime outfits. Uh, And and I'm specifying nighttime because the athleisure wear that she wears all day long uh, is unacceptable to me from a a fashion standpoint. I'm against high-waisted and I'm against gym clothes in public, Um, but her nighttime outfits were stunning. Um, She wore the the blue animal print mini dress for the one date night. She had like a, a magenta... Uh, short dress for the other date night and, and that pink metallic gown for the final rose ceremony were stunning. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the bachelor, the bachelorette get all the resources thrown at them for hair and makeup and dress and they're in designer and people pick what they wear and they make sure they look immaculate. Um, the people on the show, the guys and the girls have to dress themselves. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, no, they do not look immaculate. There's a whole, whole drama sphere. I think it started on TikTok, maybe, about how poorly they dress these bachelorettes, how they dress them so maternally. Ma- yeah, maternally. 
I mean, Katie. I mean, yeah, they did Katie they, really they, dirty. And they, they make them wear these, like, honestly, like, super out-of-style outfits. Michelle is one of the first Bachelor. I feel like they've really dressed well. for Like, for these first two episodes, like, if this is a sign of what she's going to be wearing for the rest of the season, like, they are, like, hitting the mark 100% of the time. Well, I will say, Claire is my grandmother's age. May God rest her soul. Uh, Katie had a $50 budget for her season. Yeah. What I don't disagree with what you're saying. Uh, but but what That's, I want to highlight as a favorite is that Michelle looks stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Yeah. They are doing right by her, and it's making my day every time. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with... Um, for my big plus, um, we will talk a lot about Jamie, I'm sure, on this episode. But one of the things I really loved about Jamie's one-on-one um, was him talking about his history and really framing everything that he went through in his early life as a strength. So, like, that that viewpoint of struggle as a strength and, like, really making it who you are and not denying that part of your story and not wishing that it wasn't there but really just accepting that struggle is part of life and that it makes you you i love that messaging so much and i'm so happy that america got to hear it especially from a man of color yeah i was really struck by the angle that took especially really early on in the season you know there seemed to be a very uh I don't know if primal is the right word, but there's a very physical attraction between the two of them. Um, so for him to go so personal so quickly, uh, and in a way a lot of people will not. Uh, and yeah, that was, a, that was a, a powerful moment, if nothing else. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but on, uh, on the show and on Twitter, um, Michelle and the ABC account and the Bachelor account, they all tweeted out, you know, resources for for people with um, thoughts of self harm and um, uh, anyone who had been impacted by by people who had self harmed, uh, and I, I was really surprised by the I don't know if outreach is the right word, but but that they were putting it out there. They were they were having the discussion about it. The fact that it was even uh, in the dialogue was was impressive. It's it's an effort. This is where I say, fuck you, ABC, do better. Um, they really should have had that resource on the episode. Like it, like, it should have been on the episode. That resource should have come up on the television right before commercial break or right after commercial break. Like, that should have been something that every single person who watched that episode and who heard that story saw. It should not have been something that just popped up on social media that you might not have seen as an afterthought. That's fair. So that... that that is my ABC do fucking better. And a fair criticism. And criticism that, quite frankly, there's probably one person sitting in an office at ABC who, if they watch our thing, they're going to be cheering. They're going to be cheering. But, uh, you know, probably, probably not feedback that they get very often. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, like, just in terms of, I mean, kind of bringing it back to this fantasy realm, right? Um, that's kind of what we're talking about here, too. I mean, in terms of points, like those go places, right? Like those types of stories. And like, those are the moments that are really connecting. Um, like those really soulful stories, especially when people are able to frame them and make them feel very personal. 
And Jamie was able to do that. I mean, you could see the emotion come over Michelle. You could feel the connection that that vulnerability formed between them. And so, I mean, like when those moments are done and when they're done correctly or like in an effective way, like that, like those moments you can capitalize on as far as like a fantasy standpoint too, as far as like a longevity within this game or within this like season standpoint. So I don't want to downplay the importance of what we just talked about, but but to be the foil to all of Megan's seriousness, uh, the rolling tears in the scene are are gold from a fantasy standpoint, uh, but also from a drinking standpoint for any drinking games you have out there. Um, the other thing to look at is the way scenes are being cut. Um, that dinner was probably three hours long, and we saw nine minutes of it. Um, the way they framed his story about his family was a single cut. Uh, so for scoring, uh, especially in Rose League, where it, it's it's a, it's a very manual scoring process, that is one instance of talking about family. Um, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. The conversation seemed to flow pretty naturally. Um, but from a fantasy standpoint, you want to be aware of how they're editing the season. Because um, they weren't going happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad. They let that whole narrative play out. Um, which I think from a, from a, a social standpoint showed us a lot of something we hadn't seen before. But from a fantasy standpoint, didn't break up those points at all. Um, so yeah, Jamie ended up scoring kind of low in that segment because it was a very long story. That was all one story. Uh, so the, the fantasy points ended up not getting broken out as much, ended up being a single instance of him talking about his past and family. Uh, so just something to watch. Uh, again, trying to, trying to pull it back to the fantasy standpoint. Uh, you know, you've definitely heard from both of us here that this is uh, something else entirely. But but strictly from a fantasy standpoint, if, if that's the way the edits are going to go, you want to be aware of that because if you have a contestant who uh, is going to spill their heart, if we're going to get these long story edits where Michelle is, is deeply involved in the person and the human and the story, it might not be worth as many points as, as in seasons past or as you'd think. Uh, so, again, just something to, to take a look at. Um Transitioning over to my least favorite thing, Joe. <laughs> no, Joe, not Joe. Joe is not my least favorite thing. I'm, I have some some more thoughts on Joe. But Joe getting the invite to the after party uh, is an abomination to the bachelor the bachelor <laughs> format. It's bullshit. His team lost. Yes, the uh-huh. the guy who was Mister Bask. Oh. I won't go there. I, we we had some things at our at our home viewing party here about Mr. Basketball, but the fact that Mr. Basketball is the best basketball player should not get him an invite to the after party. Not Joe's fault, but that was my least favorite thing because it undermines the entire date. That's bullshit. Joe should not have been at the after party. Um, if you've watched, you saw what happened. If you haven't watched, we'll get to it in a little bit here. Uh, but the fact that Joe got an invite to the after party as a member of the losing team is an atrocity to the, the to the purity of the bachelor format, which is you know <laughs> hilarious to even say. But that that was my least favorite. Okay, so my least favorite. Um, let's see if I can wrap these two thoughts into one and make them count as one. So started with. Um, 
I don't think I can. So it's just me too. Um, we're, <laughs> um, we're already starting to hear, which I just hate to my core, um, men talking about wanting to protect Michelle and what she deserves. Um, and for me as a really independent woman, um, which is also Michelle, I hate men, especially speaking for me and thinking that they know what I want and how I want to be treated. Um, and it comes up every single season <laughs> of the bachelorette where you constantly are listening to guys talk about, um, what they believe she wants or what they believe, how they believe she wants to be treated um, and make assumptions about that and fight for her honor. And I loathe it every single time. Um, but that's also part of the Disney ABC messaging. And th there's a reason why those scenes come up over and over and there's the rest of your money gone. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I hate that like comes up again every single season is this woe is me, this isn't fair situation. Um, and this time it came up in regards to Joe and the fact that he's a known person from outside of the bachelor sphere and guys commenting on how it's unfair that he's there because they had this connection or they had this um, interaction outside of the show. And how, again, it's woe is me. It's not fair. Like, he has this extra time. And what does that mean? It's like, guys, you were on the show. Like, <laughs> like this happens every single season. Get used to it. But also, like, if she wanted to date him, she wouldn't be on the show. So, like, get over yourself and just be there for her. <laughs> I might have to put a, a content disclaimer on this one. We're going to try to keep this episode short. And we're going to end up spending... The first 15 minutes talking about <laughs> socio-gender normative stuff. Because I've got some coming up here, too. But uh, yeah. one thing I've long said, just kind of playing off your comment there, is uh, The Bachelor is the natural progression of millennials who have given up on their Disney princess dream. So I, the reason I love The Bachelorette is because it is strictly informed by watching The Bachelor. The, the way guys act on The Bachelorette isn't the Disney princess fantasy. It's informed by women on The Bachelor living out their Disney princess fantasy. So I love it. I absolutely adore Bachelorette because you get to see 30 guys who are attractive, moderately successful, proud, Big, big fish in really small ponds from all over the country. And they put them all in this itty-bitty fish bowl. And it's a shit show. It's an absolute shit show. But it's not the manifestation of the Disney princess fantasy. It is guys who have seen The Bachelor acting like girls on The Bachelor. And it's part of the reason I love it so, so much. So I got, we'll maybe throw a content warning as we as we sift through gender norms and... Self-harm notifications and corporate responsibility in a social world. And, but uh, you know, to transition through, Megan, what was uh, your, your surprise from the episode? Um, my surprise, um, I'm going to go with a, I'll go with a more superficial one since we have already had some pretty heavy topics there. 
So my surprise was actually Brandon getting the group rose. I mean, like, I know that we knew it was already going to happen from, like, previews. Um, but just, like, watching the date, um, in my head, it made so much more sense if Rick would have gotten it. Like, his, like, what he did with Michelle was so cute. And she seemed to enjoy it so much. And was such a callback to that first night um, that I think it would have made a lot of sense for her to give it to him. And it seemed like this was really the first, like, really nice interaction that she had had with Brandon. And so I know. And again, he still strikes me as just being really immature <laughs> and they're not being like a lot of substance there. Um, whereas again, like Rick is giving her a lot, right. And very actively pursuing her. Um, and so, yeah, like it was a surprise for me. And we'll, we'll get to Brandon and Rick a little bit later. I, I have extensive notes, which means I'm sure you do as well. Uh, yours are usually a little more developed than mine, but uh, I, in the vein of staying superficial, my surprise was uh, Caroline Jones sounded magnificent. Um, I, I had heard some of her music before and wasn't horribly impressed. And, uh, you know, they put her on that soundstage and played some live music. Sorry, for anyone who doesn't follow, Caroline Jones was the country act who uh, who played during the one-on-one date. That's a, that's a bachelor a bachelor staple they'll have uh, a, a little to moderately known act come on and blow them up and they usually release a single or an album within the week and uh and she sounded really really good uh, and it actually made me seek out that song and uh I, I liked it i was kind of impressed by it um overall pretty good one-on-one date but that that was the that was the surprise for me was that they they went with a female country act again maybe maybe calling back to some of the some of the image issues that abc disney and, and the bachelorette franchise in general have but uh yeah a, a female female country lead to play that date and uh, and she sounded great yeah i agree uh so moving to michelle uh megan mine's a little heavy hitting would you like me to open with that or you want to give us yeah, your thoughts on michelle I, I mean, like, again, I am just so appreciating how she's handling, um, like, drama within the season and how she's handling moments where she feels shaken or she feels, like, unsettled. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm really appreciating her maturity and her, like, knowing and owning herself. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I forget exactly. I think you called her a boss bitch last episode. Um, and yeah, like that boss bitch at like attitude, um, it's coming through so much. Like the fact that she gave these guys at the rose ceremony, a fucking ultimatum by accepting this rose, you are saying that you trust me fucking loved it. It was great. That's all I have to say. So, so the, <laughs> the big thing for me along those same lines is, uh, it's kind of like a bachelor thing to have a one-on-one conversation with somebody at the rose at the at the cocktail party before the rose ceremony and people are fighting and you walk away from everything and you go and you confront that fight and it's a big blow up and it's great footage for her to continue her conversation i, I believe is olu um and she's talking with him and she's giving him her time while this fighting is going on in the background and she doesn't go and confront or interact with these guys until their one-on-one time she doesn't waste her time and she doesn't waste the other guy's time dealing with the juvenile bullshit that's going on 
And I've never seen that before because it, I, I was ready for her to get up. I was ready for her to, to get up and go over there. And what is this? What is going on? Tell me what the, what the struggle is. Set them both down and waste the whole night. Um, so I thought it was really, really telling of her character that, that she did not do that. Um, and again, yeah. editing is a marvelous thing. And these are the best editors in the business. But uh, they show that. Well, yeah. And I also do feel like there, I think that there are moments that we're seeing too, that is her teacher training, right? Like, like teacher training of like, yeah, you're supposed to ignore minor misbehaviors. Don't give them negative re like, don't reinforce that behavior. Don't give them negative attention because it's still attention. Another thing around the same lines was, uh, I've noticed her a few times now when guys are beating around the bush and, and not being able to cleanly articulate what they mean, she's feeding them lines. Um, and it's not to undermine them. It's to get them to their point faster so they can get out of their awkwardness. I think she's really enjoying who these guys are. So when somebody's mm-hmm. like, uh, 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 she's like, oh, you're really feeling this. And they're like, I am really feeling that. Um, yeah. And that just that cuts through so much of the bullshit, and and I'm I'm really really appreciating that. It also it also really again feels it it creates this feeling of connection too, right? Of oh she knows what I mean, right? Um, for the guys, where like I could see a lot of these guys falling a lot faster or a lot harder faster, and I'm also noticing I mean along the same lines. Um, there's a lot of physical intimacy happening. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I talk about physical intimacy. Like there's like the little like rubbing of the neck as they're telling her stories, right? She did that with Joe. Like as he was talking about his coach, she was lightly kind of rubbing his neck as a sign of compassion or just like slight, like lightly putting her hand like on their knee or like getting really close with them, right? We're seeing these little moments of physical int- intimacy that again, I think, partially are because of who she is as a person, but I think also partially harken back to that experience that she has with children too. And like the connection that's formed there. Most men are children. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking from experience. (laughs) Uh, The only other note I had on Michelle was was something that I, I, I took to a few of my black friends to see if this was even something I should say. Um, and, and they assured me that it was a weird thing. Um, so disclaimer, I am not a black woman. Uh, my, my experience varies from the black women everywhere. This might be hard for some people to believe, but here I am. Um, the overt race comparison of a black guy versus a white guy out to dinner with someone like herself, I thought was bizarrely out of place and we don't know what they cut we don't know what they edited out of that scene it felt like it came out of nowhere it felt very developed out of something she had experienced personally but not based in something socially which is really what she was trying to push in that instance um so for anyone who hasn't seen or doesn't remember it it was a it came up Rumors that she had been with some light-skinned ball player at dinner. Uh, and, and her assertion was that if she's out to dinner with a white guy, it's just dinner. And if she's out to dinner with a black guy, 
it's assumed that they're a couple. Um, so obviously, completely different experience than myself, completely different experience than the people I talked to. Uh, but the general consensus is that that was not a common experience. Um, so not to say it's not her experience, but how prominently it was focused in that discussion with the guys, I, I, it struck me immediately as very strange to the point where I, I reached out to, to my resources just to ask because um, it, it just came across really, really weird to me. And I do agree that it felt like out of left field. And so I do think that there was something that was cut that we didn't get to see as far as that explanation. But I mean, I think for me, it also didn't strike me as I don't think as weird. Um, And I hearken back to, I mean, like Matt last season of The Bachelor talking about his experience about how, you know, like he felt so much pressure to end up with a black woman. Right. Or even um, Rachel Lindsay said the same thing. Like I feel so much pressure from America to end up with a black man. And like, what does it mean about me if I choose a white man? Right. Like I, I do think that there are subtle ways that race does play into it. And so, I mean, I appreciate her kind of saying like, I I'm here for all of you and like stereotypes be damned. Right. Um, like I want to know the person. Um, but like, I agree. I think that it, felt like that wasn't the moment to say that um, and that it did feel kind of like out of left field and wasn't the drama that was happening um, so and again two upper middle class suburban white kids yeah maybe we'll we'll try to get some people on here maybe if, if there's more conversation like this but uh, it, it just it struck me as odd is, is why I brought it up uh, but again from a fantasy standpoint the edit matters the things that they show you matter um so we obviously know that that bachelor has a, a pretty significant race issue if the season is going to begin to slant that way you need to be aware of it so that you can you can play that into your lineups um but hey that that's way deeper than uh, we probably should have gotten in the first 35 minutes of our cast here we have covered some some stuff so now let's make fun of guys uh who put their hearts on their sleeves on the internet Let's go. Uh, all right, so we had four. We had four eliminations. Uh, there's Alec. There's Daniel. Uh, there's the hashtag. Pray for party, which I was appreciating. Um, and then uh, we lost. PJ. We lost PJ this week, guys. He uh, he didn't impress well enough. All the firefighters have gone home. Uh, I'm not saying Michelle is anti-firefighter. Uh, just she sent them all home. Just, just that she can rescue herself. <laughs> so, so, for, for, for those of you who know Fix So Two Rules, because Rick laughed at that really bad joke, I don't have to do a shot. <laughs> so, Megan, I, I don't have a whole lot of notes on any of these guys outside of what I just said. Uh, Alec. At one point, I saw him in the background, and uh, I literally yeah. looked around at the people watching with me in the living room. I go, "Who the hell is that?" Yeah, he did. He he and Leroy both did not get dates this week. Um, but yeah, um, I so when Pardeep was playing basketball, I actually like cackled when he shot the ball, and it went up and over like the backboard <laughs> during the game. 
Alec and <laughs> Alec and Leroy went on the on the classroom date. No, they did not. They had no dates. They did not go on a date. So, team, uh, if you don't get a date, um, she's probably already decided you're going home. Uh, I had. Well, for- Le- Leroy stuck around though. But no, so Pardeep, I actually cackled at his basketball playing skills. PJ playing bags with Michelle was super cute. Um, PJ, we can be we can be friends. I feel like PJ is is campaigning at this point just to hang out with us. Uh, I feel yeah, like... you won. No more campaigning needed. Yeah, I, I was I was really sad to see him go. It was also heartbreaking when him and Pardeep both realized. They weren't getting a rose. Uh, that was uh, yeah. that was some some painful TV. Yeah. Do you have anything else on uh, on the guys that were eliminated yeah. here? That's it. So uh, we'll move into the guys that are still alive here and uh, start with Brandon, who had himself had himself a day. Uh, except from a strictly procedural standpoint, he was on the losing team. Um. I'm sorry. He was on. He was on school date. He was on the he school, was on school date, date, and uh, man, he's he's bad at school. Yeah, yeah, and like not purposefully. <laughs> no, uh, but he did own being just a little dumb. Yeah, like he recovered real well for it. Like he played it off really well. The one piece, uh, so at the at the. Everyone from the classroom date won. They all got to go on the on the night portion of the date, and uh, you know Brandon grabbed it right away, and kind of kind of owned being dumb. Uh, but the moment for me is he kind of he kind of he kind of leaned in to get a little kiss and missed his window, and she said something, and he responded instead of kissing her. Uh, so again, editing magic, but uh, it definitely looked hella awkward. <laughs> but like at the same time, so I wrote down direct quote from Megan's brain. Um, he makes her feel like a little girl in the best way. Giggles, like he like he does. He brings out that like child, like like he just like makes her feel like a high school girl. Like she was so giggly with him and just like swooning and you could see her like moving like against him like <laughs> you're so funny Brandon even though he's not being super funny um yeah he, like he makes her feel just like light and, then, and like she's talking about how she wants that and then a hell of a kisser once he uh, once yeah, he once so. he finally kissed her he he blew her boots off but I guess so uh see so yeah Brandon uh Brandon has has some legs here. He seems to uh, he seems to be in a pretty good spot. Uh, again, seems a little young, but uh, it, it's working. It's working. Like you said, he's kind of pulling out her youth a little bit. Into him. Uh, Casey, I have nothing on for this episode. He was kind of a, a background piece. He was so shady the whole episode. He was just throwing shade. I mean, he wasn't shady, but like he was throwing shade at all these people the entire episode. And come on, dude, you're one of the oldest guys on the show. Like, grow up a little bit. You don't need to do that. Like, Nate's showing you up for how to act mature. Come on now. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Nate, but yeah, Nate Nate had. See, yeah, over it. 
Uh, Chris G, uh, I also had nothing on. So awkward is what I wrote yeah. that. <laughs> a, a lot of these guys didn't get a whole hell of a lot of screen time. Um, after this episode, we're down to 19. So you'll start to see who they want to show you. It's really hard to feature 23 guys on an episode. But again, I mean, as we talk about for from a fantasy standpoint, right? At some point, when we're doing lineups like we do in the Rose League, like, you need to use your points that you have allocated for that week to get some of the big players. And so then when it comes down to, like, that 10, 11, 12 pointers, you're just trying to pick someone who isn't going home that episode, right? Who get, maybe gets a little bit of screen time, like, gets accepted for a date, and then gets a rose. And that, like, buys you a solid whatever number of points. And so, I mean, there are definitely a Chris G. I wouldn't bank on for sticking around much longer. But, like... Other people, maybe, yeah, where they're not making, they're not getting a lot of screen time, but like they'll stick around a couple more episodes. And like we've said, we'll try not to get too spoilery in in the review preview episodes here. But Megan, but also, if you've been watching, you know that Christy is going home soon. Like, don't don't lie to yourself. I don't. Like, I don't think he goes to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris S. Who. Uh, was my pick to go home this week uh, on a, on a rule of same name? I thought that uh, I thought that Chris has to be the one to get cut. Still here, and I uh, still have nothing on Chris S. Yeah, no, I and I feel like Chris S is going to stick around longer than Chris G. Chris G just feels real awkward to me. It's probably fair. He is Canadian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clayton. Um, who, uh, hey, spoiler, spoiler, skip 30 seconds ahead. Um, I have never seen such ineffective screen time through two episodes for someone that is going to be The Bachelor. I, I'm not sure yeah. what's going on here. I literally wrote down, where the fuck is Clayton? <laughs> that was my note for this. Because he said one thing. Like, he was on the screen once the entire episode. And that was at the rose ceremony when he said, I didn't get time with her. It's like, no, you didn't. I don't know what the game is from a production standpoint. Um, everything we've heard is that they, they fell in love with his story. There's no narrative yet. Um, so I, I'm interested from a fantasy standpoint because at some point, Clayton's going to have a blowout episode. It might be his last episode. But at some point, yeah. he is going to be a must-have in your lineup. And if you can appropriately identify that, you're going to have some points. Because there, there is something about this guy that made them cast him as The Bachelor. Uh, yeah. And we haven't seen it yet. No. Pardeep would make a better Bachelor at this point. I will refrain from commenting... <laughs> Uh, Jamie, Jamie, who I know we're going to have something to talk about here. Uh, Megan, you have uh, somewhere you want to start with Jamie, or would you like me to? I just, like, Jamie was, um, so sometimes you talk about doing, like, a compliment sandwich, right, where you say, like, a good thing, and then, like, the, the feedback, and then, like, another good thing. Um, Jamie was, like, the opposite of a compliment sandwich in this episode, where he was awful, and then he was, like, really good. And then he was fucking awful again. <laughs> and that was Jamie this episode. Um, and that's what my notes say, too. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think that he did a really, really wonderful job on the date. Um, so we, we talked about on the first episode that we did that a lot of times the production company loves to do um, adrenaline pumping one-on-one dates, right? Partially because it tricks you into thinking that you're falling in love because your heart is beating really fast. You have the adrenaline pumping. And so it's a similar experience to like that chemistry. Um, and so they took him on an adrenaline field date and had them climb this mountain and it was exhilarating. And so there were lots of feelings happening. Um, he also like talked about his story during the dinner. Um, and I mean, it was, it was a really, really wonderful first one-on-one. But in between that, he was so full of himself and so narcissistic. Um, and then being super two-faced at the um, cocktail party. Um, and I have a lot of theories as to why that is. Um, none of which we probably need to get into on this episode. <laughs> uh, other than Jamie, maybe to go to therapy. Again, can give you some referrals if you want them. So I'm going to back us way up. Uh, <laughs> we heard really early on from him. He had like a, at the time, I felt like a humble brag moment. He talks, he said, uh, I, I traveled to third world countries all by myself. And that kind of flagged for me. It's something I said to the group of people I was watching with. Well, that's a that's a bullshit thing to say. Who cares? But it was well, one of those. Just that. I need someone to keep up with me because. And then that. And then he gets picked for the one-on-one. And he is visibly afraid of Michelle driving. Um. <laughs> He made a couple comments about her driving. He he looks shaken. Which I get. I don't like people driving me around either, but it's not a gender thing. It's a most people suck at driving thing. But he's he's gripping the gripping the sides of the, the chair and, and he just looked very, very uncomfortable. And that started to build a narrative in my mind of, of the kind of guy I thought he was. And then they get on the mountain and he's very supportive and he's communicating very, very well, which in high pressure situations in developed relationships is something really hard to do. So for a first date, essentially to be able Mm -hmm. to very calmly and directly give feedback and give advice in a way that, that, can be taken constructively. Um, I didn't know what to think. And then we get to the, yeah. we get to the dinner and, and they have their heart to heart and he really opens up and okay. So maybe my read was wrong. He was uncomfortable. He was nervous. And then we get to the segment with the guys and it's, it's Martin and Malik. I think Spencer. Yeah, Spencer. Yeah, Spencer PJ. I think you're right. It was Spencer. And and Jamie is seeding the situation to these guys. And for the most part, they don't bite. Uh, I have some questions about Martin that we can get to when we get to Martin. But for the most part, they don't bite on it. And then Jamie takes it upon himself to be this manipulative, insecure person that really lined up with that that first thing that we were shown 
the guy who <laughs> is full of himself and is uncomfortable with women driving. Um, so I, I'm I'm seeing the edit we're getting, and I'm a little disappointed in myself for buying into the middle part of the episode because I'm, I'm less and less convinced that it's real. I'm not. I'm not. Um, and again, I don't think we probably need to talk about it in this episode. You and I can have a heart to heart afterwards about why I think that is. But no, I actually, I think that knowing the way that early stress can impact people and the type of trauma that he went through, it actually makes a lot of sense to me why his attachment is not super great and really like back and forth. And why the, there's these questions of authenticity and genuineness in some of his decision making. Um, I, I think I think it does make sense. Like I I don't doubt that genuineness that we saw on the date, but I I like I said I don't think that he's gone to therapy yet. Like I I don't think that he's processed everything that's happened to him. I think that he has healed in a lot of ways, and I'm super proud of him for doing that. Again, like the way that he talked about it on his date with Michelle, I truly believe that he is that healed. But I do think that there are still probably some things under the surface that drive a lot of his behavior that he might not be aware of that are serving to protect him from uncomfortable feelings. That's a lot for this episode, but uh, (laughs) I apologize. Um, And you guys are really getting um, an inside view into maybe what I do for a living. But um, (laughs) um, but no, from a fantasy standpoint, though, I think it's I mean, it's we saw in like the preview for next week. I think it's going to blow up on him. Um, I don't think that this is the right setting for him to be in. Just given all of the things that we're talking about, he's going to be some Bubba drama points, which I'm super excited about coming up here. But we talked about, um, you know, like whether or not, like how far he goes. Right. And we talked about him more and more as being like this big player on the season long. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how much longer he'll stick around. I think that he's going to be some big drama, but I don't know how much longer he'll stick around, especially because I think that Michelle's pretty perceptive. And I think from a production standpoint, people are going to have to balance the Will and Pizza Pete thing against the Jamie thing. The chances of them coming to a head in the same episode are are slim. So watch those previews, be very careful you're probably going to want all three of them for weekly lineups when they blow up. But if you miss, it's going to be an episode where we don't see five minutes of Jamie at all. He's already had a one-on-one. He might not get a group date. If he's not the drama, you don't want him. So just, just be tuned in to what we're being shown and know that those two different pieces of drama are probably not going to hit at the same time. Yeah, especially because this seems to be a season that's very low on drama. So at some point here, I lost my my backdrop, my beautiful backdrop. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna shift back just a little bit here. Uh, Brunch Squad shirts are available in the 602 store. You can't get the beautiful pink with the with the rose petals in it because uh, discontinued. But there are uh, solid colors. But they're very soft, very beautiful. Uh, so now you get to see more of the Brunch Squad logo because I I lost my backdrop. Might have to go digital on future episodes here so it doesn't continue to fall. My, uh, my Labrador keeps knocking it over. But plug for um, Rose, 602 Rose Show t-shirts. Got baggy t-shirts for girls. We got uh, zip-ups for the guys. Uh, uh, that'll be linked. I'll link that in the uh, 
the show notes here. But uh, priced at cost. We're not trying to make money off you. We're just trying to, to get everybody pulling in the same direction. So Enough of a mid-show commercial there as we're 51 minutes into our short show. Uh, yeah, so let's follow up Jamie with Joe. Uh, you know, Megan, I, I had this as my last note, but I'm going to say it right now. I'm a man who's not afraid to admit when he's wrong. And um, there is a chance that I was wrong on Joe. There is a chance that I jumped the gun, trusted some stuff I found on the internet. Um, There is a chance that I am wrong. And I would love to see the rest of the season play out and, uh, and get to know that. Um, uh, we, we saw he's mixed race, which I, I, I think we knew, but I hadn't really dialed in on. Uh, and the more I thought about the season, the more I thought that that might be relevant for Michelle. Um, it, it's a, it's a shared experience thing that I don't know how you'd replicate. Um, so, so I think. I think seeing that again, they showed us that right. His, his mom was the one who called him about about the loss in his life. We saw him interacting with his white mother. I'm assuming it's his mother. Um, the mixed race piece might come into play here. Um, yeah. The the other piece. But also, go ahead. Okay. As I was gonna say, I mean, like for me, just plugging it, like while we're talking about it, like that phone call, I think to me was super powerful too. Again, just like very few times to do reality shows really dial into like raw emotion, especially I think in men. And so to see a man of color who's like this really big athlete, right, breaking down and crying, that was really powerful for me. And I really appreciate that that made it into the edit. I will say I, I don't understand Minnesota as a place. It's it's Canada South. I went to school at Wisconsin. We hate Minnesota just because. Still have the axe, baby. Dubs up. Uh, but uh, but the rest of what happened in this episode, he balled out. The one-on-one time where they're literally playing. Not one-on-one time together. One-on-one playing basketball with all the I other guys their- watching. Like, I love it. It's, it's so fun. It was... Again, we don't know what was cut, right? She might have played one-on-one for 20 minutes with each guy. But the edit that we got was her playing one-on-one with Joe while everyone else watched. And I love that. That's hilarious. So then for him to get this made-up MVP award on the date that he lost, win the date, get the date, Rose. Incredible. So not his fault that he's there, but he definitely took advantage of it. He took that opportunity to go get that date rose and he did it and he showed her a little bit more who he was um and i i I can't hate the guy for taking advantage of the position the producers put him in i mean he he didn't create this mvp that he won uh you know the other team was a little salty about it but that that's 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 bachelor bachelorette stuff i mean they're they're trying to create some drama it's good tv But I do think um, it's interesting, again, like going back to that idea of like the previews that we see and how we're trying to bank on like the data that we can collect for fantasy picks here. Um, 
we got very little indication that Joe was going to be on that after party date, that he was going to win that group date rose, right? Like there was nothing on the internet about that. At least not that I saw. Maybe you saw something different, but I had no idea that that was going to happen. Um, and so the only thing that I had to go on to like make, to to switch him into a pick for for this past week was that there that his name got brought up in drama, and for me like that was enough of a pull that I wanted to see how it how it flew points wise that I put him in, and I'm happy that I did because of that that twist that ended up coming. See, I don't know if I I can't I must not have sent it to you, but there's a there's an ISO shot. Um, when she's addressing all the guys, telling them that they're being shitty and that they need to like be there for her, and you yeah. can you can see the rose on Brandon's shirt, and mm-hmm. you can't see another rose, but there's only three guys that are back to the camera, and Joe's yeah. one of them. Um, see, guys, I share all of my data with Rick, and this is what happens. One of three guys. So I, I made an educated guess based on what we were hearing that, that Joe was going to be with that guy with the rose. Um, and again, like we talked about earlier, as soon as I as soon as I knew I had a rose, I was able to get a little free and loose with other lineups, and I really capitalized there. So those are the things you got to look for. It's the narrative. It's what Michelle says publicly. It's what the interviews are saying. It's every snippet of every preview that you can find. Never know what you're gonna see. You know, a, a tiny rose on Brandon's chest tells you Brandon wins a group date, and now you have a huge piece of your weekly lineup. Yep. You got anything else on Joe? Yeah. Uh, Leroy, I have absolutely nothing on. Uh, Goose egg. LT. Goose egg. I will tell you. Other than he, he looked real bad. Week. I don't know. You look kind of ugly. I will tell you that a, uh, a mutual friend of ours is going to a spin class. I believe it's tonight, hosted by LT, who does spin classes in Seattle. Oh my um, god! So we're gonna get some feedback on how LT is in in person. Uh, so yeah. we'll have that for next week. But uh, yeah, a, a mutual friend of mine and Megan's is uh, visiting LT's spin class. Oh my fucking god! Okay. Uh, Martin, what do you got on Martin? I know you got to have something. Um, guys, I like wanted to like Martin. I like really did. Um, I don't like him. <laughs> he, um, he seems, so what I put down was that he feels like a drama stir. Like there's just like a lot of moments where it seemed like he was kind of the instigator of moments. And I just don't like that. Um, but then I- one of my comments um, too was on the the group date, like after party. You see everyone. I mean, like they're. I don't even know where are they filming right now. It's somewhere warm. They're in California. So everyone's wearing. Yeah, so they're in California. This man is wearing a fucking sweater. <laughs> so I wrote down like how it's cold is he at night. A He's from. No, Olivia everyone else is wearing a sweater. <laughs> and he's in a. Like, a very, like, comfy-looking sweater. Like, it's not a light, easy, breezy sweater. Well, to, to, borrow a, to borrow a corporate term, I'm going to stay above the line, uh, which means that we're going to be positive about Martin. Um, asking her to tango to get her close and then telling her he didn't know how to tango, I kind of like that move. It's not going to work forever. Um, I, I was really surprised to see him get the second rose of the rose ceremony. 
yeah, there's a lot of good looking know. guys. I know. I don't know how much that order, like I'm always like on the fence about whether or not that order really means something like after like the first one, the last one. I mean, Nate, Nate got the first rose again. I know. So, and Peter got the last one. Fair. Um, and then in between, I'm not really sure how much it matters, but I hated that dance move. I, no, I did not like it. I think it's fair to cringe at it. Uh, I, I appreciated the effort. <laughs> uh, Malik, yeah. I have nothing on. I said decent baller. He was so sad that he couldn't go on the night date with her. Like, he was crying. He was so sad. Um, and then I wrote down is, again... Megan's pet peeve of guys saying, woe is me, it's not fair. He was one of two guys, and I will give kudos to the other one when we get to him, who said, you know what? It doesn't matter whether or not she gave people beforehand, because she's here now, and I'm here now. And so I wrote down, thank you, Malik. Like, what a mature adult response. And and you could just continue on, because the next guy is the next up here. Um... Well, so I guess there, I guess there's three. So because yeah, Nate Nate was. Um, I wrote down Nate. He's so cute. I love his confidence. <laughs> that was whatever, Nate. Um, Nate is, and then here's where I think fantasy wise, Nate is a great pick. I think every single week is that he is super confident. That he, I don't think, rarely if ever this season will we hear Nate express anxiety or worry. Which, as we know from the Rose League, is I think a negative two every time it happens. Negative three, um, which is like can be huge points, especially if they're doing it multiple times in an episode. And he is not a guy; it's not seeming like who will ever utter phrases like that. So he seems like a really safe bet moving forward. I mean, he's going to get kisses. He's going to get FaceTime. Most likely going to get screen time, and you're not going to have the negative points associated with him that you might have with other guys. It's absolutely a great perspective. He, he seems to understand that this is a game that they're all playing, um, but that some of them are there for the right reasons. Um, and, and just really respecting that process and, and taking his time. Uh, you know, he's not taking other people's time, and he's making the most of the time that he is given. Uh, he was like dang. On that date, like phone laying down on a pillow. <laughs> and, and as we were saying a couple minutes ago, got the first rose of the rose ceremony. Um, you know, didn't get a one-on-one date. Didn't stand apart on group dates. Uh, but then when it came time to give out those roses, he's right there. And mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't blink. There was never a yeah. doubt in her mind who that first rose was going to. Um, and again, like there was doubt in his mind that he was getting a rose. So, but if he had rose, I also think that he would have been okay with that, right? Like, like he's just like he's confident, like in himself. It's gonna be interesting to keep watching. Uh, that's for sure. He's uh, their chemistry seems to be off the charts. Yeah. Uh, Olu, I have nothing. Yeah, I also have nothing. Um, yeah. So we'll... seems like a middle kind of guy. Yeah, he'd stick around for a little bit until she takes him on a one-on-one and decides it's not really for her. 
I mean, I don't know. He'll get up. <laughs> uh, Peter, who I'm sure we have some stuff to say. All of all of my hatred for uh, <laughs> Joe has shifted to Peter. This this guy sucks. What do you mean, bro? How dare you, bro? Don't you dare, Megan. I am an alpha presence. All right. <laughs> I talking at the kids about like how he's a pizzapreneur and the way he got so triggered. Will we'll get to Will. Will Will taking the shot he took was a silver bullet. He yeah. unhinged Peter in a yeah. word. All the Peter stuff, we can get to the fight in a minute here. But the biggest thing for me, it's a new rule that has just kind of become a part of my, my personal thing in the last year here. No white wine after dark. You cannot drink white wine after dark. Peter... Self-proclaimed Italian. Sipping white wine after dark. Yeah. Everything else aside, I'm out on Peter for that reason, that reason alone. You cannot drink white wine after dark. You just can't do it. Yeah, I just... I thought that I was going to enjoy Peter drama, and I just hate it already. <laughs> and I signed up for it. I did. I bought into him. And I think he's going to stick around for a little while here, but um, I already hate him. I think Will said it best. Pizza this, pizza that, pizza this. Is it always pizza? And it it's is. It's not even pizza. It's also like the bro. Like there's like a lot of entitlement happening. Um, yeah, it's more than just pizza. Because I like pizza. The two, out- I wish I had grabbed a picture, but the, the outfits that Will and Peter were wearing while standing face to face and screaming at each other. Wait, I don't know if you can read this. Can you read that I say the loudest shirts? Uh, it, it might be on there somewhere. It is not centered on your screen. We, we, will, we will definitely believe you. Well, yeah, it says Will versus Peter, and I wrote down the loudest shirts. I saw a tweet somewhere, and it's like uh, when Jersey Shore meets Bachelorette. And yeah. uh, it's, it's fair. And uh, I'm way more comfortable with the picture of Peter that we have up on the screen now. Um because it, it it fits, it, he's he's a lot, and like I said, if you, you want to harness these points, uh, especially where you don't get negatives for fighting, like in Rose League. Uh, so obviously know your format, but uh, in Rose League, you're not going to lose points unless Peter talks about how uncomfortable he is fighting another guy, um, which I think is more Will's flavor. We'll get to Will in a minute here, but. If you can find the right points and harness it, Peter's Peter's one you ride out for a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, Rick is next up. Um, I loved the fill-in-the-blanks homework gimmick. Whether he did it or a production assistant did it, he, he took her on a journey directly to where she had to kiss him. Uh, and it was really well done. And she laughed and they connected and... And again, like, again, just like in the first episode, it's all about her. Like, that was something that, again, assuming that he planned it, that he knew she was going to like, right? Not not every Bachelor would have liked it in the same way. But, like, it was just so perfect for Michelle, which is awesome. 
Um, I also, yeah, no, I love Rick. He's really, really sweet. Um, his little comment about there being, you know, like it being like a 10 on one, like there being 10 guys and her and really that it felt like a one on one. It's been so long since he felt that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh I just wanted to like give him like a little hug and be like, it's okay. So I do have to ask you, uh-huh. is Rick a bad kisser? There were a dozen little pecks at the end there. It made me physically uncomfortable. There's five of us sitting in my living room looking at each other, trying not to cringe because we knew that cringing would be, would be a shot. Yeah, I, um, I think he might be. So something to watch. Um, also, watch your scoring because kind of those unbroken, awkward kissing sessions are usually one kiss for fantasy and in eternity for you watching. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's not really what you're looking for. So, something to keep an eye on with Rick because he's, he's doing all the right things, but at some point, physical chemistry is a big part of it. And if it's not there, it's. It's not there. You have eight weeks to fall in love. And if you're the guy given a hundred little, little baby pecks, I don't know how long it's going to fly. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's pulling out all the stops and yet Brandon gets a, the group rose. Interesting data points. That's all we're saying. Just, just know the narrative and then follow it. Well, we both have Rick going pretty far, but uh, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean scoring good points for every week. Uh, we got uh, Rodney up next here, or as Megan calls him, uh, Short Neck. No, he's now Sweet Baby Angel. Sweet Baby Angel. I will I will update my notes. Uh, I, I'm not sure this guy has ever had an apple before. <laughs> no, he's also never had pizza before. That was, that was wild. That was wild. <laughs> the blindfolded kiss was really hot. Yeah. Really hot. Yeah. And that was all Michelle initiated, too. Like, she is into him. I just, I, we've seen some preview footage that go to an apple orchard. I just hope that he gets an education at some point here. <laughs> yeah. This guy does not know apples. <laughs> it's all so good. No, I am. Um, Ronnie's just so cute. And, like, he gets so giddy and excited and, like, just, like, very much is just wearing his feelings on his sleeve and like you can see when he's disappointed you can see when he's excited like he uh yeah i don't know he's just so endearing endearing is a good word <laughs> i'm excited to see where it goes uh he's an interesting character if nothing else yeah yeah okay. uh romeo i had nothing on kind of background character for uh, this one he's a smart ass dude um, he, I mean, he's also attractive, um, but he is, um, he's really smart. Um, I mean, didn't play super well for him on that school date, but, um, he's smart. Um, I also, I just like couldn't, he wore a knitted tie for the rose ceremony. I mean, it was adorable, but like, yeah, that's all I have. Uh, Spencer, I, sorry, go ahead. I see Romeo being like more of a middle player, like 
he's gonna stick around for a little bit. Like he's getting screen time, but I don't know how how long he'll go. We don't have substance yet. Yeah, there's been a whole lot to to hold on to. Uh, Spencer, who I believe was the first guy to mention his kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that's the only note I have on him. Um, but it, it stood out to me because I don't think anyone else has mentioned kids. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure from my notes if anybody else has kids, but he's he's definitely the first one to mention them. I, I want to say there might be one other guy, maybe. Um, but yeah, and I felt kind of bad about it too because like in this episode, it like that disclosure really got overshadowed as far as screen time goes, uh, by everything else. Um, he was the third person that I wrote thank you to um, regarding drama and just being able to like walk away from it and say, like, that's not my deal. Like, I'm here for her. Which means a lot, ladies. Look for the guys that don't care about getting sucked in all the nonsense. Yes. Um, I will say, no, your, your scoring formats. I know one of the auxiliary leagues that we play in uh, – the first guy to mention kids is worth a, a bucket of points. So know, know your scoring formats and, and play to the strengths of those. Uh, did not have Spencer in for that lineup and, uh, and missed out on some bonus points. That's a, that's a one-time only thing. So know your scoring format, know your rules, and, uh, and definitely play to those. Uh, yeah, but I also mean, again, just given the preview that we got, there's no way you could have predicted that. Uh, unless you're going to sit him in there every week until it came up. Uh, Will, who we kind of touched on quite a bit with Peter. Um, the one other note I had on Will was that he saw an opportunity and took it. He he yeah. wasn't. He was probably also not getting any of the questions right, so getting a question wrong wasn't really a big risk for him. Um, for anyone who hasn't watched, he. They were asked to spell narcissist, uh, and he put down P E T E R, and then proudly showed it to the children and all the other guys in the, in the classroom. Uh, and then, as we were speaking to earlier, that silver bullet for Peter it really set him off. So that's really all I had there was that he has horrible fight clothes and that he he took an opportunity. Yeah, I do think it's really telling. Um again, from a fantasy standpoint, that we did see, so, like, after that big fight, right, with the two of them, we saw Peter get time with Michelle, but we did not see Will get time with Michelle. Um, And so, again, if we are imagining that this fight's going to be continuing, which reviews suggest Peter continues to get in it with someone, um, more than likely, Peter is the one who might be sticking around post-drama, as opposed to Will, just given some of the screen time we're seeing with him versus screen time that we're seeing with Will. And from a fantasy standpoint, you want to be really careful. Situations like this usually turn into a two-on-one. There are points galore to be had in a two-on-one, but you have to be on the right side of it. So watch the narrative very carefully. Um, For those who don't know, a two-on-one in the Bachelor world, someone goes home every time. There's Mm -hmm. one rose, one person goes home. It is usually the person who loses the narrative. So what you have coming in is points for both people, points for going on a two-on-one, and then the narrative shifts. 
and you end up losing a whole bunch of points if you're on the losing end of it, and then that person goes home. Uh, so, so watch the narrative. Watch how this plays out. Uh, Megan and I obviously have opinions on, on who's going to last the longest here based on what we've seen. Um, but just know from a, from a rules standpoint, that's how Bachelor Bachelorette works. If there's a two-on-one, one person goes home. So from a fantasy standpoint, you do not want to be on the losing end of that because you are usually going to lose more points than you gain. Again, depending on your scoring format. Um, but it usually turns into a, a woe is me fest and self-doubt and worrying about other guys and feeling anxious and feeling sad. And then you go home. Uh, you can hemorrhage points yeah. really fast. I mean, left on an island but by now, yourself. <laughs> Yeah, if you get left on an island as they as they fly away into the sunset, it, uh, it's a lasting image, but it's not a whole lot of points. Uh, season long, uh, we uh, got our scoring in. We were going to wait on season long until we give you our picks episode, but it hit real late right before we were filming here. Um, this is the public league. Uh, if it says 602 in front of your name, you're on ours. So thank you for everybody for, for getting in there. I'll tell you, Big Britches at number two, he is also one of ours. He just uh, didn't follow instructions for how to name his entry. Uh, Zach Lorette, if you uh, if you happen to see this, uh, hit us up. We'd love to have a chat with you and uh, hear what your story is. Uh, but you'll see the top ten there after week one. Season long is really a longevity game, uh, so you really want to have all your players in. Uh, you'll see mine and Megan's totals there as we as we sit in the, in fourth and sixth. Um, all of our players still alive, so uh, we'll we'll check on on this every week. And uh, next slide up here is kind of the breakdown of our rosters. Uh, but for season long, you really you need the final four. You need two guys that make it top ten, top eight. Um, so that'll really be the thing to watch. Uh, early scoring, well, we'd love to lead wire to wire. He'd love to be first place the whole way. Uh, we had uh, someone in our group do that a couple seasons ago uh, and never looked back. But uh, at the end of the day, you want to be the last man standing. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where this one plays out. But uh, thanks to all the all the 602 people who got in here and, and put up some good numbers. Um, I actually did not throw up our uh, our individual scoring so i apologize for that we'll find that later we'll go get that in the post show uh next slide here is the uh the pricing for week three for rose league um we are not going to make picks uh, as i said off the top we'll uh, we'll do that in a show later later this week um but here's the the pricing so you can start thinking about your your lineups uh, again generally speaking you want the one-on-one you want the the group date winners, uh, and then you want your, your heavy hitters. You want the people who are putting up all kinds of points. We've talked a lot about the drama. Uh, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna dig down into the drama and see see just exactly who you should list. Um, there is some interesting low cost people here. We've talked about quite a bit who haven't had gotten a whole lot of screen time yet. So, uh, Megan, did you have any thoughts on the on the pricing here? I mean, like, not on the pricing, but I, I mean, I do think that this is going to be a challenging because there's so many of those heavy hitters that are worth money um, that picking any more than two of them is just hard as far as a, line, a lineup standpoint goes. Um, I mean, just looking forward to this week from the preview. I've only watched it once so far. haven't seen any other previews for, like, what this week brings. 
Um, but already, I mean, like four people that I'm kind of considering um, that you guys might find on my lineup whenever we post it, um, either, either over the weekend or on Monday. Um, but I'll be looking at Nate as far as consistency goes, Jamie for drama. It looks like Rodney is getting that one-on-one. And then again, Peter for drama. So we'll kind of see how those shake out in the previews or really like press releases that ABC has coming out over the next couple of days. Uh, so I just did a, a quick reshuffle for our uh, season-long scoring here. Uh, and I'll get that in front of you if I can find the right damn slide. Uh, there you go. So uh, it, this is my lineup and Megan's lineup for, for season long. Uh, you'll see 489 to, to 469. Real tight. Real tight. Everyone's still alive. We have identical lineups uh, other than uh, Rick and Peter, who I have highlighted there. Uh, Rick outscoring Peter by a pretty slim margin this week is the difference in our score. So... Uh, you know, if you've listened to our season long, you know kind of how these ones fall out. I won't spoil it for you here. You can go and listen to that show. Um, but all of the season long picks are are public now, so you can go through and see who's got a chance and who doesn't. Uh, I know I have a lineup that is identical to another entry. Um, so at best, I can tie for first, uh, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I do want to point out that maybe for the first time ever in our friendship, um, Rick went with the um, sentimental, emotional pick, and I went with the drama pick. You know, and, and we'll see who's right. We'll uh, we'll get to the bottom of this. I, I'm. We had a lot of opportunities to change our lineups, and uh, Megan and myself, we both chose not to. Um, I think it speaks to a lot of the analysis. Uh, it speaks to kind of what we got going on here and uh yeah we'll see uh sentimental versus drama i I also think it very much speaks to us not wanting to tie (laughs) tying is losing so uh yeah yeah, we'll we'll pop in with a mini episode maybe on monday and get it up before the episode airs uh, with our week three rose league picks um but hopefully uh hopefully some of the insights here and a quick recap for you we're we're helpful. I know that uh, midweek is sometimes a slow time, so we'll get this uploaded right away and get it in front of everybody. Uh, I talked to some of our, our YouTube personality friends, and uh, they reminded me I need to say like and subscribe. Uh, we, uh, we're we kind of low on subscriptions, high on views, so thank you for that. But uh, like and subscribe so we can keep making you more videos because we're, we're so monetized and we're making all kinds of cash. But uh, I am supposed to say that that was the the only advice we got from our our YouTube personalities was like and subscribe. So uh, I think I think you remember absolutely. to say that at the beginning I, I too. Need to, I need to say it over and over again. But but thank you for uh, popping in on the Rose Show and, and not <laughs> yeah, not opening with thirty minutes of uh, social commentary is is probably also not a not a good, great way to start, but. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we'll pop in with you guys on Monday, and uh, good luck setting your lineups this week.